0: All right, welcome to another episode of the Streaking the Lawn podcast. This actually is the final episode of the Streaking the Lawn podcast. I know we uh, we we teased that a few weeks ago. Um, it's an interesting bookend now because the tournament, of course, is over for the men's basketball team. Um, but yeah, Streaking the Lawn podcast, new podcast next week with a very similar name. Get excited! Uh, it's we've got a pretty logo it will be replaced in your feed easy as pie you don't need to worry about anything but technically yes and I'm not jinxing myself this time Um, this actually is the final titled streaking the lawn podcast and so of course I have to have Zach and Ben with me Uh, Zach how's it going
1: um it's it's good pierce good, uh it's good it's been a week it's been eight days i guess as you of know recording. there's been a
0: lot of enjoyable basketball to watch in between yeah. the who's losing and today so i have enjoyed it i'm not one of those people and no offense if you are if you if you get mad at the who's and don't want to watch the rest of the tournament i get it um but I, I i sort of dig in and get numb to my emotions of my team and they're losing and just enjoy the madness and it's been a good run of madness uh, which we'll get into but Ben how, how's your emotional state?
2: Um, I'm actually doing pretty well I say this like again not as a backhanded dig at UVA uh, which I think it probably sounds like but March Madness has been really good this year like yeah. yesterday some incredible games that K-State Michigan State game incredible Noel's a baller FAU Tennessee super fun Gonzaga UCLA like both teams choked, and then yeah. someone went on a really cool shot. Like basketball is fun. It's been a really good tournament.
0: A one seed has has lost this year to uh, <laughs> to to join the who's in uh, infamy. Uh, you know, Arizona comes the first team to ever lose as a 15 seed multiple times uh, in their history. A lot of upsets, a lot more parody, I think, is the, the conversation. Maybe this benefits the the Who's in a long run because, uh you know, they have a title to point to while they continue to string together uh, upsets against double-digit seeds in the first round. And, of course, that is what we'll spend probably the majority talking about. We don't really need to get into a game recap because I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you will... Never forget the Furman outcome um, and uh, specifically how it ended. Um, But yes, once again, uh, our our who's looked like they were going to win and uh, snatched uh, defeat from the jaws of victory. And uh, unfortunately, we're bouncing the first round. So we can break down some X's and O's. We can break down some disappointing stats. Um, I think we all sort of know what happened, but... I think it, it it warrants a conversation that continues the things that we have been talking about through this season in the highlights and lowlights of their performances, because we've seen it already with a uh, roster churned and looking towards next season. There's a lot of decisions to be made about um, next year's team. And a lot of those decisions are going to continue to I don't know, paint the picture of what is the Virginia basketball program. Where's the standing nationally? How is that discussion going to impact recruiting, uh, especially when you're recruiting upperclassmen and things like that and recruiting your own players to say, so a lot to talk about Zach. I know you've had some time to respond to people on Twitter (laughs) And, and stew over these thoughts. So where are we? Let, let me not cut you off this time. Where are we emotionally?
1: Um, I mean, I think, and listen, this is gonna come off like spoiled. This is gonna come off, you know, twenty year old UVA basketball fan who's only ever experienced the best stretch. At least you're well, self aware. Well, at least it's I'm self aware. For you. It, as like it just it stinks to not see the CUVA play in March. Yeah, like to not see them win a game or get to the second weekend. Like it just. I think we always talk about like in our round tables and on this podcast like get to that second weekend and then we'll consider this sort of like along with other things consider this season a success and part of that is just like we want to see them play these games that are the most watched college basketball games every year um and so on one level i think i'm just like you know i mean i'm a uva basketball fan along with covering the team i'm just bummed out that like we didn't get that this year and i thought that Obviously, especially, especially how it happened against Furman, it, they were the better team for like 32, 33 minutes of that game. Sort of the Ben and I predicting like a, whatever, whatever we said, like 11, 12 point wins. Like, I think that. that oh, the who's was,
0: were the better. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah.
1: Virginia was the better team for like 32 minutes. And I think that you sort of saw that like they had mm-hmm. multiple like double digit leads in the second half and mm-hmm. just could not, get away they could not get farther farther enough away they couldn't get that separation and you know maybe this is just like speaking to my sort of naivety and, and age but even in the last couple of minutes when they were down by three points I still had faith they were just going to pull it out because of how you know how under control how in control I guess their backcourt has always been this season and how they have the experience and they have the guys even if shots aren't falling to make the plays that need to be made and then there's eight or whatever seconds left and kihei clark is inbounding the ball and finds Re-speakman and respeakman has a lane up the sideline doesn't look at it throws the ball back to kihei and instead of looking for the ref to call a timeout instead of just holding up sort of like in the corner and trying to not trying to just force a foul, which it seemed like he right. was seconds away. It seemed like he was seconds away from being fouled. There's a screenshot where a Furman player has two hands on him as he's releasing the ball. I'm not crying for a foul call. Like, he had made that pass. If he just held onto the ball for another split second even, we could be talking about a different result. And so I think – and he just decided to yeet the ball, like, without even looking <laughs> to see who, who was throwing the ball. Now, to.
0: for our Boomer listeners, yeet, of course, <laughs> means throw – Recklessly. wildly yes. <laughs> <Like> with, without <laughs> aim or agenda or purpose
1: yeah and so i just i think like it just sort of felt like the fitting march end to this team in a really depressing way and i don't mean to criticize kihei solely like obviously he deserves blame for how this result ended up being. He did not play well late in the season. He only had five points against Furman, two for six from the floor, one for two on free throws, including one that he could have hit late in the game to pull them even farther away. He did have five assists, also had two turnovers, and just really wasn't... like He was pump faking, it seems like, like, every open opportunity he had. And, you know, he wasn't the only guy who struggled, but it just... It's really hard to like to look back at this year, even with an ACC regular season co-championship and be like, man, this is a really good year for UV basketball. Relative to preseason expectations, I think you can be relatively happy just because of how they played in the ACC. But at the end of the day, what we're looking for for this program is sustained, consistent success in March Madness. And this is another year. I know 2019 happened. Obviously, I would not trade that title for anything. I would rather lose, as I put out on a Twitter poll, I'd rather lose seven first round games and and have a title than make the sweet 16 eight straight times like Gonzaga. Sure. But if you want to be in that upper echelon of college basketball programs, if you want to consider yourself among the Dukes and the Carolinas and the Kansases of the world, um, you can't consistently lose to teams who are worse than you and sometimes you know what you need to make a run that people aren't expecting you to make you need to be better and play better than your seed implies and that that people expect you to and i think that this program is still in solid shape but at the end of the day they didn't get it done when they needed to at the end of the year and that just stinks
0: yeah Uh, ben do you want to you want to just take the podium for a little uh, catharsis before we ask more pointed questions
2: yeah, I mean, it just sucks. It's a really tough way to go out, especially after we saw, as Zach alluded to, for 30, 35 minutes, Virginia control the game in the way that we were expecting. We saw Reese Beekman doing a great job on their guards defensively. We saw, basically, Slosson was the only guy who could get anything for Furman. It was him, and it was shots in transition, and that was basically it. And things were playing out for that, like, comfortable-ish because nothing's ever fully comfortable when you're Virginia Little little <laughs> victory. And then just a team that has been in clutch down the stretch all season in Virginia and been able to come up with wins against teams like Michigan in the closing seconds, just absolute brain fart possession, throw the ball away. Um, and Furman hits a really good shot to win the game. Probably the shot of, if not the tournament, at least the first round. Uh, yeah probably like,
0: not the tournament considering what we saw last considering, last, considering last night, gonzaga but, ucla yeah.
2: but just <laughs> i mean virginia had played with fire all season in situations like this a little bit like against louisville against notre dame and mm-hmm. eventually they were going to get burned for it and they just chose the worst possible time to go and get burned but i mean it's not a referendum like the play isn't a referendum on kihei clark's career at uva but it's really unfortunate and it's a really tough way to go out and you can like acknowledge that he had a great career here while also saying that was a really not smart play that basically lost Virginia the game and sort of along those lines I think this season in general has been we've sort of talked ourselves into a team that is just not on the level of some previous Virginia teams Mm -hmm. and In a sense, I feel like this is almost a fitting exit for this squad, uh, sort of going out with an extended stretch of the same issues that we've seen all year in a game where they shot 17% from three, continuing that trend again of them not being able to hit anything for the last month and a half of the season. And it's been a hard truth to sort of come to terms with that Usually what you want to see from a basketball team is maybe they start the season slow, but they really round into form around March and start playing their best by the time of the tournament. Uh, This Virginia team sort of, for whatever reasons you want to say, call it fluky three-point shooting at the beginning of the season, call it the combination of a lot of returning players, maybe that trip to Italy, giving the team more game experience than other teams entering the season for whatever reason, this Virginia team was just better comparative to college basketball in November and in December than they were by the end of the year. And it feels, like, sad that we lost to Furman, especially the way we did. It really burned immediately afterwards, of course. So it was, like, a very embarrassing way to exit the tournament. And I was not particularly happy getting texts from all my friends, like, "Little Virginia, (laughs) again. But at the same time, like, who – really thought this team was making it past San Diego State. And even if they did that, like Alabama, like they're just not on that level this year. And I think playing in a weak ACC has buoyed what is one of the most middling seasons of sort of Tony Bennett's tenure at Virginia. Like I was messaging with Zach about this offline just yesterday and thinking about like, This team, this season, uh, can be made out to be a success because they did win a share of the ACC regular season title, which, like, is good. And there's nothing wrong with that. Winning ACC regular season titles, making ACC tournament championship games is not a bad thing. But imagine if this was 2019, when we had 2019 Virginia, 2019 Duke, 2019 Florida State in this conference. They all would have lapped the field with not just this Virginia team, but probably everyone in the ACC this year. And just because the ACC has gotten worse isn't an excuse for Virginia to also get worse. And, <laughs> I mean, the discussion about what's happened after the national championship game to UVA basketball is one that I'm sure you will get to hear a lot about on the airways in the offseason. Uh, we have to make podcasts, but, like, <laughs> it's just... Or
0: Zach last, yells at us.
2: <laughs> tournament win. Our last win was the national championship game. Yeah, and then state tournament. And that's a it's whole class
0: of uh, of Wahoos. Yep. Nobody in under University without a win in March Madness. <laughs> just uh, like back in the old days, <laughs> where where we gross. never got wins in March Madness. Uh, yeah. Except for the Sean and Jr. years, anyway. Um, you too, uh, Roger Mason Jr. Um, no, that wasn't a win. That was a loss. Okay. Anyway. Um. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, sad is is the best way I could put it. I I thought like my immediate reaction was, well, I didn't think they'd lose like that. You know, <laughs> like a sort of bewilderment. <laughs> um. You know, I'm not gonna you know get mad and let it you know you're just sort of like well to me I, I sort of thought like those crazy one shining moment things it's like gosh there was Furman's uh boneheaded play to exactly crazy clutch yep. shot that you knew was going in
1: oh 100% <laughs> I was mean, about to
0: say let go you're like yeah. well <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know one <like>, season <laughs> yeah um you know they didn't get their you know, butts handed to them like they did against UMBC, who just came out and was the better team from start to finish. But it's disappointing that they played, like you said, Ben, down to inferior competition, which we saw them do late in the season. It's more disappointing because we saw the play pretty darn well in Greensboro. There's some things that carried through, positives and negatives, negative being the play of Kihei Clark, who I'm sorry, yeah, one bad play. But name the last game, Kihei had a good game. You know, like arguably it wasn't in Greensboro, Clemson,
1: but it wasn't even that. really, uh, yeah.
0: you know, and the uh, positive would be the play of Caden Shedrick really rounded out into, you know, arguably his best game after coming into force once he got allowed to play basketball again. So, you know, it, you, you would hope the general success would, would have carried over from a generally pretty good performance, but what carried over was Poor performance from your point guard and poor outside shooting uh, that continued to plague them through February and March and was the reason uh, or one of the reasons they were in close games and losing some of them, including this unfortunate one, which just continues the national conversation that the, the, you can't win in March. You know, like we uh, uh, all three of us think Virginia could win in March, right?
1: <laughs> like we've I mean, seen I've it. seen it. Right.
2: Yeah. yeah. Right? it it happens if you can win conference
0: titles and a national championship clearly you can win in postseason play but there's definitely um some thoughts to the idea that they are more susceptible to an upset because of the style of play and whatever other you know reasons get in their head and, and 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 teams think they can beat them and you know you need confidence as a as a um As an underdog, I do think there's a lot more parody. As I said at the beginning, there's a lot more parody in college basketball. That's becoming the conversation for obvious reasons. We're seeing more and more. Um, examples of that and really uh, of course sensible reasons why it all makes sense that you know lower lower seated teams are um, more closely aligned in talent to the upper uh, teams in the tournament every year so you're going to have more upsets but Virginia's got to get this monkey out their back now and and do some damage in March Madness and that's what we said a month ago would be success with what we saw in a a decent or or above decent performance um, coming into ACC play and then a uh, relatively decent, if not you know, it's a down season, but you're tied for the uh, the the regular season uh, title. Like, what would be success? Doing damage in March Madness, and they did the exact opposite. And they don't have a trophy from Greensboro to bring home, so it's not a success. You know, like yeah. it, is it best yeah. case scenario? So almost, you know, I guess best case scenario would have been to win <laughs> win this game against Furman because again, none of us had expectations that this was a final four caliber team, but they showed plenty of examples of being much better than the performance they put on against Furman and because of that conversation that continues to plague this team even though they've won a national title, that conversation doesn't end, and you're just adding evidence to the haters. It's so it so it's not a success. You just you put another you you notched another in the column of Virginia Blue and a March discussion, and you get every year you get a chance to put it in one of those columns. Mm-hmm. Did did they get upset in a embarrassing fashion, or did they not?
1: <laughs> That's the thing. the bar that, isn't the really counter. that high. The,
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> Especially after the now championship. You can, you can only get yeah. upset in embarrassing fashion if you win enough regular season games to be ranked uh appropriate, you know, at, in a, in a in a high ranking um or low low number high rate. I don't know anyway. Point being, that's the conversation about Virginia basketball and this is another year where they've given evidence to the the cynics and and the haters. Um I don't think it means that any of us think like, you know, this team isn't capable of winning a title in a year or two. Of course they are. Correct me if I'm wrong.
1: No, I I mean, yeah, I think at the end of the day, I think that sort of, and this is something that I'm not the first person to say this by any means, it comes down to talent. Like it does come down to the talent level to some degree. And yeah, like, UVA did not play to its talent level in March this year. That is, I think that's absolutely true. I think we can absolutely make that assertion that the guys did not step up. At the same time, as Ben was saying, and as we sort of pointed out, like this didn't seem like past, once we got through, I mean, December, early January, it was sort of like, okay, those sort of crazy top five, top 10 aspirations that we all had after they. Spanked Baylor, not really, but sort of spanked Baylor and beat Illinois and beat Michigan on the road and competed with Houston. Like maybe that's not, maybe that's just a little bit of, I don't know what it was, um, fever dream sort of stuff early in the year. You know, coming to this tournament, we weren't expecting amazing things, but if you want to be, again, sort of one of these top programs that does have that consistent success, which that's the bar that you have to ju- – like, yes, it's a really high – like, they, Tony Bennett gets graded on a really steep curve – but you right. know why because he's a really good basketball coach who's right, won a right, ton right. of games and has a national championship
0: right like and that is
1: the under like that. that's what we need to account for obviously Right,
0: and when i say capable of winning a title which i they certainly are but you know depending on how things go i don't mean that that is the definition of success if they had yeah. beaten Furman, and especially if they had beaten the san diego state team and then gotten blown out by alabama or something we all would have been like well pretty successful year for the who's who had some ups and downs but uh did not didn't get knocked out of the tournament in in embarrassing yeah. upset fashion you know right. like and
1: it, they were one of the top 20 teams in college basketball right exactly right yeah. right, Which, right. like and, that behaved like it yeah right exactly and so moving forward the question is can you get better talent into the team can you can you sustain that 2014 to 2019 stretch that was absurd and, and like this is something that ben and i again were talking about um just messaging each other about yesterday but like that that's really it's hard like to repeat me out of the yeah chat. a lot is that, um that's, yeah, that's
0: yeah. What happens. is this um, on yik Yak or tic, yeah tick-tock? it's tiktok yik chat. yeah
1: oh okay face, face snap <laughs> um regardless that talent level that those teams had in that stretch was ridiculous and you're just these teams all due respect to all these players, there's some really quality players that have come through UVA since 2019. But the collection has not been as good as those teams in that stretch. And that's, you know, not meant to say whatever, like just to get back to sort of the standard that we're holding them to, you have to have better players and you have to have players that improve more and and are better at the same time together. And like, that's what happened in 2019. Like you had three, four players, you could say, have breakout seasons, sort of arguably, like we knew what Kyle Guy was, we knew who tied Jerome, we knew what these Mm -hmm. players were and could be. But 2019, you had that big three along with Mamadi have really stellar years that sort of defined, obviously because they won a championship, but defined their college career. You have potential with that with the young core that this team does have in in their 2022 and 2023 classes. Obviously, there's some rumors that, One or two guys, probably just one, maybe one, we don't know, could be leaving. Um, But in Isaac McNeely, Ryan Dunn, Leon Bond, Elijah Gertrude, Blake Buchanan, you have a core, along with Dante Harris, Isaac Trout, if he sticks around, you have a core of really young, promising players that if they stick around and are a part of this program could be very good very soon. And buoyed by some transfer portal guys, because UVA does have success in the transfer portal and getting contributors. They don't typically get like star players who are going to lead you on a marked Madness run, but you can get really solid players. They can build something. They can win that, a national championship in 2025 per se. I don't know about next year, just because of how up in the air the roster is right now. Well,
0: and that's it, it would all depend on that, right? Like
1: who yeah. you
0: know who
1: comes in and can do what. Right. And so mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's just talent and the talent hasn't been there. And it's harsh and it's tough to say, but that's what you have to get back to. And you need to avoid the bad recruiting years that they had because they had bad recruiting years for, you could argue, three to four straight season, straight off seasons. Um, not like, and it's hard because you get a G, Jabri Abdour Rahim and you get a Casey Morsell and they just don't work out. And sometimes Mm. that's tough, and that's not all on the the coaching staff, but you need the players that you get in the building to either exceed or hit expectations. And there have been very few that have exceeded or met expectations. It's Kihei Clark. He exceeded expectations. No, that's a
0: good way of putting it.
1: It's Reese Beekman, who I still think hasn't quite hit the high potential we set for him, but still, like, he's there. And then, like, who else is it from their high school recruiting? Like, I uh
0: francisco Caffaro.
1: yeah congrats but, but to you
0: brother you were exactly who i hoped and thought and wanted you to be during your four years national champion wait like i'm giving him his flowers for his few few minutes he who's here and i'm saying he was a guy who he he met expectations yeah so i, and I wish you the best i would that wasn't a dig <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I, no i love you, love, you can't go, go love get a paycheck
1: <laughs> that's what i'm saying um so I don't know long rant and I'm I'm going to throw it back to you guys here but they just need better guys and they need their those guys to perform
0: Yeah yeah they need better guys uh, overall you know cuz they need a roster of it but they have good guys on this roster and and you know who who hopefully will continue to grow and and uh do some damage in March Madness which is what we want to see <laughs> so Ben looking at the roster breakdown um we don't really need to get into like Isaac Trout rumors until anyone knows anything definitively but you know we we have an idea of who's definitely coming back and then of course their upperclassmen who could come back as well um you know we think Beekman Franklin probably testing the waters but certainly could come back if they so chose or you know also if the coaching staff wants them back but I think that's probably a given um Looking at this breakdown, where where are the, the missing pieces, knowing that we have a transfer point guard coming in who can take key Hayes minutes, maybe not the entire volume of key Hayes minutes, of course, knowing that if McNeely's coming back, I mean you hope for a jump up from your shooting guard position there. Um from him, where where are some immediate needs on the roster that you would see?
2: You know, I think we are about to get to suffer the downside of having a really experienced team, which is that you lose all the really experienced guys. I mean, there's a realistic scenario where we enter next season with our six biggest minute getters on this team no longer being on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Jaden Gardner, Kihei Clark, Ben Vanderplass, um, guaranteed like to be gone. Like They literally can't be right. back. Uh, Armand, uh, still up in the air. Reese, still up in the air. And then Caden Shedrick, obviously up in the air, and like we'll know more as the season go, like as the off season goes on, and guys start entering the transfer portal, not entering the transfer portal, entering the draft, hiring an agent, and officially entering the draft, so they can't come back. Like I'm sure Reese Beekman is going to put his name, and that be a draft cycle, but like that doesn't guarantee that he's not going to be back for another year. He'll probably go get feedback, see if he's going to be a back half of the first round guy or a mid second round guy. If it's the latter, he'll be at Virginia next season. And so there's still so many unknowns, um, but my biggest fear is really just the guard play. I think I'm for whatever Kihei Clark was, he just played so much basketball for this team that I think it's going to be a learning curve to adapt to playing basketball without him out there running the show. Even if Reese Beekman does return going from his role this season to being the guy with the ball in his hands all the time. Uh, and Dante Harris is a guy with a lot of promise. I wrote about him when we got him in the transfer portal with really like interesting, strange timing on that, mm-hmm. by the way, where mm-hmm. he came in for like the second half of the season. It's really Hopefully him... benefit
0: him. You know,
2: <laughs> I would agree. And I wonder if that's like, a... cause I know Tony Bennett's spoken in the past about how like, he really needs guys to be able to play in his defensive system to for them to see time on the court. And I almost wonder if, like, Harris coming in a semester early is sort of a product of that and good Has because of be. that. Because, yeah. like, realistically, they're not really going to have another option to play those guard minutes right. uh, besides Tante Harris. But, like, just looking at the backcourt, uh, if Reese comes back, they'll be able to piece something together. If he doesn't, which I think I'm leaning towards him coming back, but it's very much still a possibility that he goes into the NBA draft. Like, you're just going to have to really have a hard time cobbling together guys. And it's going to involve Ryan Dunn and Isaac McNeely are going to have to be really, really key parts of next year's team just because there aren't going to be guys in those spots. Like, the reason Dunn didn't play as much at the four this year was because he had Gardner and Vanderplas ahead of him. They're gone now. And I assume Virginia is going to bring in some sort of transfer big man. I just don't see the numbers on the roster at that spot, especially if they lose one or both of Shedrick and Isaac Trout, Mm -hmm. two guys who have been rumored to be potential transfers. So I don't think the roster, like I think there are still too many uncertainties to draw any conclusions about what next year's roster is going to look like. But the one thing that I think is guaranteed, uh, and the extent of this isn't a guarantee, but guys are absolutely going to have to fill roles that they have not been asked to fill before. It's not going to be at all like this season where we came in for game one and it was the same starting five as last year. It's going to be a lot of guys having to do things that are new and uncomfortable and probably more challenging. Like Ryan Dunn's going to have to do more offensively next season. That's going to be a challenge for him. Reese Beekman, if he returns, is going to have to be a primary ball handler. Dante Harris, when he plays, is going to be playing his first minutes at UVA. I mean, we remember from last season and this season, like Armand Franklin, Jaden Gardner, Ben Vanderplas. These are all guys who eventually became passable in Bennett's defensive scheme, but they had issues when they came in. I remember at the beginning of last season, like Gardner would get pulled at the end of games sometimes for defensive lapses. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really hard to earn consistent minutes on this team if you're not having everything down pat and i think virginia is a team that uniquely thrives on continuity uh that might limit their ceiling and that's something that again a million people have tweeted about already but it's true that with the way they want to play experience is more valuable than it is at a scheme like maybe k-state's this year where tang has these relatively like simplistic sets he just has a lot of talented guys he brought in he's like go out there and play this style of basketball that's a little more free flow. Virginia is very scheme-based, and that might turn out to be a negative in a season where they're going to have so much change up and down the roster.
0: Yeah, I think there's something to be said for what Zach alluded to about how teams can grow into a season. So Zach, I mean, doesn't that open the door then if they're dealing with a you know, getting some guys uh, uh, ready for uh, ACC play or continuity or playing the pack line, etc. Maybe we see some early season struggles, but if especially if Reese comes back, I mean, a reason to be optimistic that the backcourt could still be a very successful one um, by ACC play or at least by postseason, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you have faith in Tony Bennett to make his team better especially defensively as the year progresses as much as you want to talk about that 2021-2022 team being an NIT team they also beat Duke at, on the road at the end of the year like they, they showed noticeable improvement even if the consistency wasn't there and I think that you can rely on that from just about every UVA team and if Reese is back if Armand is back if Caden is back if Isaac if, if they get these guys back this could be a, a top 10, top 15 sure. team. Like yeah, the, yeah, the, that yeah. is in the cards. And and I think because if you're saying okay, you're going into game one and you have Reese Beekman, Armon Franklin, Isaac McNeely in the backcourt with Dante Harris coming off the bench, assuming that would be how they did it, just off of sort of experience on the team. Caden Cheddar gets center. Maybe I guess Ryan Dunn starting at the four, or maybe Isaac Trout, maybe a transfer big. They probably still want a, a transfer big guy to, to come in, even in that scenario. This, right. Yeah. So that team is, and I and Leon Bond obviously as well on the wing, and and if Elijah Gertrude recovers from his knee injury, he could be a, a, a sort of a fifth guard that you could bring in. And Blake Buchanan will probably redshirt, but maybe he doesn't. Maybe he impresses. Maybe he's that next big guy. If all the pieces click and everybody comes back and everybody sort of has that year, there's no reason that this could not be like an elite eight caliber sure. of team. Obviously, saying that they're gonna get there is that's a big lead. Right. But it's in hypothetical right. exactly. So that's there. The problem is it's very unlikely that everyone will be back. Right. Um, you know, as Ben is mentioning, and so they're going to need to be aggressive in the transfer portal, no matter what. They're they're going to have a hole or holes that they need to fill. Um, it's it's you know we the big guy is sort of like the immediate you absolutely need to bring somebody in probably no matter what uh, in the front court and you know assuming that you maybe lose one of Reese and Armon, I mean if you lose Reese, uh, things get really tough really quickly because. Yeah. You need another ball handler, and and the problem with Reese is that you're not going to know for a while, and, and that's sort of the thing. Is like it's great that these guys can test the water, but he's not going to be withdrawing from that. I think till like end of May potentially. I, I believe that's the date. Um, ben might 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 be able to correct me there. But like that that then things get difficult. If you have Reese back and you lose Armon, not to say that Armon is by any means like he's a very capable player, but he's more replaceable, I think, just because you can get sort of a three and D um guard from you can get somebody who can shoot 38% from three and sort of provide that. If you also can assume a, a breakout year or a you know a big second year from Isaac McNeely. So um they're probably still going to need a guard sorry I'm, I'm all over the place today but that's just sort of where we are in the ufa basketball <laughs> no world, right? i
0: think it makes sense right so, they yeah, need a you, big man and a guard sort of no matter what
1: yeah that's it, kind of the yeah. reality that we're in unless you get every single guy right. back um and so i don't know like it, it does sort of it's this is just modern college basketball it's like you don't really know what the team's gonna look like the next year when the season ends. And part of that, you know, stinks. Part of it's kind of fun. Yeah. And you get to sort of like, see how the team is built. Um, Unfortunately, we're not really going to, I don't think that we're looking at a national contender by any means right now Um, going into that sort of next year, you never know. Uh, um, But it'll be interesting to see how Tony builds the team. And also interesting to see how they go about 2024 recruiting, because if we're talking about a, a sort of a, you know, making that run once these 2022 and 2023 classes are, um, I guess, grown or are developed, you're going to need guys from that 2024 class. Like they needed Kihei Clark to be a part of, of that team. So um, that's something notable as well. They're going to need a point guard in 2024, a position that they've been putting off for like two two or three straight classes now because Kihei keeps coming back. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm a, It's Tony Bennett at the end of the day and, and sure. they need better guys and they need, you know, as I said earlier, those guys to sort of pan out more, but th- there's optimism there.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's a lot of question marks, but, you know, hopefully we get good answers to some of those questions. And if it turns into a mass exodus, then we'll have new faces to cheer for and learn about and plenty to talk about in subsequent podcasts. Isn't that right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, everyone, thank you for uh dealing with our uh catharsis uh moments here. I'm sure you were experiencing similar things. I hope you enjoy the rest of the basketball tournament. Uh go UConn, by the way, in case you're wondering um who my allegiance mm. is my dad went to Yukon, shout out Huskies. Um, very different basketball team to watch, by the way, <laughs> than the Virginia <laughs> Cavaliers. Um, but uh yeah, also rooting against Gonzaga in general. So there that, 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 that's that's whoa what I mean. yeah there's my takes what do what do you want i don't know
2: my uconn take is that uh jordan hawkins would be kyle guy at virginia if not better
0: interesting all right yes like very it. good hey, yeah, oh yeah no doubt um <laughs> and we could have used both their big men too uh yes
1: like, or, even, been, one. Even, or just even one even even just
0: one if they could have lent us one uh, to play with Shedric, that would have, yeah, definitely helped. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, uh, we will be back, be back soon uh, with our new name and new logo. But again, uh, you shouldn't have any uh, need to do anything different. Um, wherever you get your podcast feed from, it should automatically be loading. Just don't be uh, too surprised when it looks a little different. We'll be talking about the same stuff. Don't worry. Plenty of baseball and lacrosse and basketball news, I'm sure, to come. Until then, go who's.